faces. Uh, it's good to gather. It's good to be back with the church family for Danielle and I. And uh, There's something about this time of year, especially it seems like year after year, the Lord is so good about as spring approaches to give us a good sunshine on Palm Sunday morning, the hope of warmer weather coming, daffodils breaking through the ground along with tulips, and it's just like there's a a sense of true happiness and, and joy. Then we gather together to worship and to praise His name. And it is a good thing to be with church family. Just being gone a couple of weeks and then being back and seeing those faces is so exciting for us. And that shows that you know, brothers and sisters in the Lord, the church family is truly a blessing from God. And it's sort of, I think, what heaven's going to look like in microcosm when we finally get there and we're reunited with all those that have loved the Lord, that died in the Lord, people we may even have forgotten. We'll see them again face to face. And the celebration and the joy and the fellowship will be Forever and ever and ever. Isn't that just a wonderful truth that we get to hold within our hearts until we all are back together with Him in eternity? So there is a passage of Scripture in John chapter 11 that I want to open up with this morning just to get your mind thinking about this in the context of a challenge that I'm going to place towards you, if you would allow me that. But John chapter 11 is that scripture that many of us know very well. Jesus has these friends that are named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and they live in Bethany. And he really loves them, but Jesus loves all people. But John brings it out that Jesus really loved this family. And word comes to Jesus that his friend Lazarus is sick, dying even. And what we find out by near the end of John chapter 11, around verse 23, that Lazarus has died. He has been in the grave for four days. That Jesus was only about two miles away when he heard the summon, please come, the one you love is sick, dying. And Jesus waits those two days and begins his journey and he stops along the way as he often did and teaches and preaches and heals people. But by the time he gets to Bethany, Lazarus is dead. And up until this point, really, in history, death was final. Death was the last nail in the coffin. It's all over. Hope is all gone. Martha. You remember Martha? She's the one that at the first meal that Jesus is having with the family, she's running around the house and has many concerns and says to Jesus, tell my sister Mary who's sitting at your feet to help me with the preparations. And Jesus says, Martha, you're worried about so many things. 
But only one thing is needed and Mary has chosen what is best in this world. And I'm not going to take that away from her. But you're worried about way too many things, Martha. Well, Martha, now, John chapter 11, hears that Jesus has entered the city limits of Bethany and she runs out to meet Him and she falls before Him and says, Lord, if You would have been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. The one who believes in Me will live even though He dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Different versions of that verse, but it is Jesus saying, I am the one that causes those that die to resurrect or stand up. I am the one that can call people out of the grave. I am the one that has power over what most think is final. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the redeemer. I am the hope. I am the light. I am everything. Martha goes back home, talks to Mary, and says, Jesus is asking for you. And what does Mary do? The one that was sitting at Jesus' feet, who's mourning her brother, she jumps up and she runs to where Jesus is. And she falls before the Lord and says, if you would have been here, the exact same thing as her sister, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, show me where he's buried. And they take him to that location and there is a stone rolled against the opening. Just like there will be for Jesus six days. And they roll the stone away after Martha is hesitant because the body will smell, Lord. Roll the stone away. I told you, if you put your trust with me and walked with me and believed in me, you would see the glory of God in this life and in the life to come. And they rolled the stone away. And Jesus calls Lazarus out. And he comes out wrapped in his burial cloth. And he's alive. I want you to really let that moment for Martha and Mary and all those that were there grieving with them at the loss of the one they loved, Lazarus, let that sit in on your hearts and your minds and your spirits so that you don't miss something that can cause you to worship Him in a real, meaningful, unfettered way of true glory and rejoicing worthy of who He is. My question for you this morning, and I'm going to ask you to do something with me. If you will stand just for about three or four seconds with me. I'm standing because I I have one of these. But no, what I want you to do 
you go ahead and sit down, and, and if you, I want you to think about this question, and if you can agree with it, then stand. Is there anyone that you personally are longing and looking forward to seeing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Is there anyone that you hope to see, fellowship, talk to, rejoice with in heaven? Now stand if you have any hope. Look at us. I think we're all standing. If babies were in here, they might even be standing, right? Because we've all lost people that we love. And loss and death is not easy. And we think and we hope this is the promise of Jesus. I am the resurrection. And your loved ones who died in me, I promise you, they will be seen again by your eyes. Don't let this world discourage you. Don't let it suck the hope out of your life. Jesus is the Redeemer. He brings life. And those who die in Him will rise again. And so we have that hope. We live for that hope. And let us praise the Lord for that hope. I've got a brother. I've got grandparents. I've got a dad. I've got a mom. My wife has a father. She has siblings that died at birth that she's never met. We all have people that we look forward to seeing again in heaven. Amen. Okay, be seated. Now this is a rhetorical question. You don't have to stand up for it. If Jesus was here in our presence, literally, And you went to him and said, Lord, would you bring back this person that's passed so that I could be with them? Whether it was for a long period or a short period, who would it be? For me, it'd be my mother. Electrocuted at the age of 17, an untimely ending. I love everybody else deeply, but I'd like to be reunited with my brother. Just to talk with him. Who would it be for you? And then the next question. If Jesus did that for you, if he brought back that person that you missed and longed for just so you could fellowship and talk with them and give them a hug, and tell them again that you love them and that you've missed them. If you had that gift, what would you give in exchange for it? There is nothing in this world of possessions, of wealth, money that I have that I wouldn't give up freely. You just give it all. Why? Because whenever the love, whenever the love of a disciple of Jesus matches, corresponds to the worth 
that Jesus actually has. Beautiful, wonderful, powerful things happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Whenever your love for Jesus equals His true valued worth, you are a changed person. You respond in true, real, unfettered worship. In John chapter 12, we have this beautiful scene of worship. We talk today about the triumphal entry and people waving palm branches. Palm branches throughout Scripture were signs of victory, signs of victory and blessing. And so the people throughout the Old Testament, they waved palm branches to signify victory in God. And so here are these people waving the palm branches as Jesus is riding on the colt of a donkey going towards Jerusalem, going to be dead in six days. But they celebrate and they cast their garments down because they're worshiping. It's unfettered. It's real. It's genuine. And it's pure. So here in John chapter 12, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Right there, verse 1 is telling us the context of what John is telling us in the story. Lazarus was dead. Jesus raised him from the dead. We don't know how long ago, but it wasn't that long ago. And now they are at the house again with Mary and Martha and certain other people. And there is a dinner given in Jesus' honor. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. There is good old Martha, true to what she does in life. That is her way of worshiping the Lord. She serves and she works and she prepares a meal. Martha was that type of woman, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. You think about that. He was dead four days, called out of the grave, now he's alive, and now the next scene is, Jesus is at their house, Lazarus is reclining at the table, they're having a meal, Martha's working, 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 Mary's there. Mary's there. Is she sitting at Jesus' feet? Not yet. She's there. Look at this. Then Mary took a pint. Took a pint of pure nard. The word there really equals about 12 ounces. About the size of a Coke can. Commentators will discuss, like, where did they get this pint of pure nard? Because it's, it's valued so highly. It's worth the average year's wages in that time. Probably comparable now to about $25,000. That's what we're looking. This, this uh, nard was valued in this 12 ounces, about $25,000 is the worth of it. Were they a rich family? Is that how they come by it? Did they take up an offering of love for Jesus and the community came together? 
Was it something that was, was passed down, an inheritance? Well, we don't know. But what we know is that Mary has this expensive $25,000 bottle of this perfume nard. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. Can you smell that? You see, church, my question for all of us is, and I know every day is different, every Sunday's different. When is the last time you worshiped your Lord so sacrificially? When is the last time that you've worshipped your Lord so sacrificially? And the reality for any of us that we can't worship Him that way unless He is so present in our life and we are so thankful for what He's done for us and we place such a high worth and value on Him. And that is why people can sit in pews, whether it's in this church or churches in this country or around the world, and not be worshipers that are really genuine, unfettered, let it all go, give it all to Him, whatever that may be, and however it works out. When is the last time? Has there ever been a time that you worshipped your Lord, sacrificially. Mary gave something of herself, of her family. She poured it on His feet. And then getting down on her knees, she takes her hair down as though it's a rag and wipes it all over His feet. And there Lazarus is reclining at the table laying on his side. And there's the other apostles, disciples, and other groups of people watching what's going on. What a beautiful, wonderful, powerful thing it is. When God's people worship Him in the real, meaningful Purest way. Are you worshiping your Lord that way? Are you striving to worship Him that way? Does He have that value? Does He have that worth to you? Because it will be seen in our worship. Not everybody's a hand raiser. I'm a hand raiser. Not everybody likes to bow down on their knees. Well, there's a time that we need to bow down on our knees. Not everybody's the one who wants to shout out, praise the Lord, or hallelujah. But they sure were shouting, Hosanna. And that comes from Psalm 118, verse 25. Hosanna, save us, Lord. Save us, Lord. May God create the Spirit within you that you cry out to Him, save me, Lord. Or thank you for saving me, Lord. I see what you've done for me. You've given me everything. You've given me the hope of life after death. You've given me the promise that those that I lose in this life that love you and die in you, I will be with them again. You have 
put the truth before me, in me, and I walk in awareness of what you are and what you've done. And I bow down before you. I lift my hands to you. I call out to you in prayer. I reach out to you in faith. And that doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It's all about you, Lord. Are you worshiping the Lord like that today? Because Mary is the example of sacrificial worship. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him and with a kiss, objected. You know, our worship is so significant. And our worship really is personal. It's that vertical relationship that we have with God. But then there's that horizontal part of our worship that we do it together. But here Lazarus, who had been with Jesus almost three years, out of a covetous heart, objects to something that's so pure and wonderful done on the part of Mary. I think you can read into this pretty easily that when pure, unfettered, real worship is taking place, there may be people that want to criticize that. Criticize you. That's what was happening here. But why? Listen to his excuse. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Oh, that sounds really lofty, don't it? It could have been used differently. It could have been used better. I would have used it this way. Look what she's done. What is the point of her significant worship? It is that Judas's worship is insignificant. It is Judas... Mary loves me. Judas, you don't love me. Do you hear that? You don't love me, Judas. You love money more than me. Jesus has told us again and again that the idea was he did this because he cared about the poor. That's not the truth. He was a thief. He helped himself to the money bag. No one can serve two masters, Jesus said. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despised by the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus knew that. Jesus taught that. Look what Paul said. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the truth. And pierce themselves with many sorrows. Judas, you've pierced yourself with many sorrows. You've wandered and are wandering away from the truth. You are deceitful. You are blind. Your heart is hard. You're not redeemed. You don't love me. That's why you're having a problem with what's going on. And don't try to cloak it in your care and love for poor people. You see, 
what we're seeing is a heart that loves the Lord unconditionally because of what the Lord has done for her, Mary. And what we see in Judas Iscariot is a heart that doesn't love the Lord, that doesn't understand what is going on, that doesn't understand the worship. It's been a long time ago. Remember the, the guy that uh, was homeless and uh, we would, he'd show up. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he'd pop in, be here six or seven weeks, and then ride his bike back Arizona. Sit back in this area. Remember he used to, to shake the symbol? Luis, yeah, Luis. I always thought, maybe, Lord, is Luis an angel? And you're just like, people say, you know, could you have him not shake that symbol? I'm not telling him that. You, you go if you think, but I'd prefer you not. He's praising and worshiping the Lord in his way. And if I had a symbol, I'd be shaking it. But Matt keeps hiding it from me. (laughs) Church, I don't want us to miss this because this is Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday that we do see the emphasis of praise and worship to the one that comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Kings, the resurrection and the life, the one that gives us all the hope, all the answers for this life and the life to come. Don't miss I challenge you, I encourage you, as I'm doing it to myself, let us worship the Lord unencumbered, unfettered. Let it be real, let it be genuine, let it be celebratory. But that will not happen in you. You'll have to fake it unless His worth to you is what it should be. And when your love for Him equals His worth then it will be the worship that Mary had. But anything other than that, our worship will be like Judas is carried. We'll complain. We'll ask, why are they moving the seating again? Why is this? Why is that? Should we just be glad? When brothers and sisters of the Lord having the same hope can come together in love and understanding and worship and serve Him together. Worship is significant. Your worship to God is significant. And worship Him your way. Worship Him in truth and in spirit. And don't let the heart of a Judas Iscariot be a downer in your life. Worship the Lord freely because He is worthy of it. Hosanna comes out in many different expressions. He is Hosanna. Lord, save us. The text goes on. Jesus steps in and defends her. Leave her alone. Jesus replied, It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Now commentators, boy, this verse is a tough one. Because I know at least my sense of laying down in this scripture and trying to 
let it flow from John 11 to what's being done is that Mary came there and fell at his feet and all that 12 ounces was just poured all over his feet and it's in her hair. And that that it's 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 all gone. And so the, the 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 language can be tough. Was it that without Mary's knowledge that there was something uh, that she didn't know, but it was to be used after he died because she will be at the cross and she will be at the tomb. And did just in that moment of worship. She used it this way, or did she use part of it? And she's going to have some. You don't. I don't get that. I think it's something different going on. It's it's a, an interpretation I have, but it's not a "thus saith the Lord." But you can see it. Leave her alone. He defends her. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And there, there's a really important point. Worship is about the Lord. It's about His presence. It's about us having Him. And He says to Judas, you're not always going to have me here. This is appropriate for this time. And Judas, you're always going to have the poor, so don't lose heart. After I'm gone, you can spend the rest of your life serving, giving, and helping the poor, which we should. Because Jesus did. But you won't always have me with you. You see, the presence of Jesus in our life, when we worship Him this way, like the lingering of that nard poured on His feet, worship is sustaining. Worship is sustaining. Coming together as God's church here in Kentwood at this location, as we go week by week, breaking bread, fellowshipping with one another, remembering the cross, praising the Lord through songs that remind us of God's greatness, proclaiming His Scripture, praying together, fellowshipping, that is sustaining in one's spirit. You leave here, hopefully, if you've worshipped the Lord in this way, that God's presence has touched you in a way that it's going to get you through the week. That you're going to remember how the Lord moved in your heart and in your mind. It is encouraging. It is sustaining to see these little children waving palm branches. And maybe though they don't understand the full reason of what they're doing. But they're wedding them. And they're going to learn more and more. I think next year, we ought to let the children do it. But we ought to be the ones waving palm branches. Because we know exactly what it means. Worship is sustaining. Seeing that person give their life to the Lord in surrender. That is sustaining. Hearing a word from God, it is sustaining. Seeing a prayer answered is sustaining. Gathering in a small group, it is sustaining. Worship is sustaining. Just as this perfume lingered, I would imagine even six days later at Jesus' death and when He is hung on that cross, you could still smell that perfume. 
the Bible tells us that this act will be proclaimed until the end of time. Till the end of time. What other verse, what other person does the Scripture say that about? It says it about Mary. Because it was pure worship. And that's the kind of worship, that's the kind of relationship Jesus wants with you and with us and His church. Are you worshiping the Lord sacrificially? Are you worshiping the Lord understanding its significance? And does the worship of your Lord sustain you in faithfulness? Don't ever let anyone Say something to you that causes you to shrink back in the way that you praise God. And if that thought, the thought of money, the thought of getting rich, waking up on Monday, seeing where the stock market's at, if you go to bed thinking about money, if you go to Sleep thinking about money. If you wake up thinking about money, it was suicidal for Judas. We've got to make money. We have to use money. We have to eat. We have to have a roof over our head. We we need clothing. But be content. But whenever... Satan moves in your life that the only thing that's on your heart is wealth and money and getting rich and wheeling and dealing. That is suicidal. Jesus said it was. Paul said it was. And Judas proved it to be true. So as we start preparing our hearts and our minds as we worship the Lord. And this coming Friday at 6 o'clock here, we celebrate Good Friday service together as a church body. And then three days later on Sunday morning, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Let our mindsets worship and sacrifice understand its significance. And cling to the sustaining power of what God has done for us. May you be blessed. And may Jesus truly be your King of Kings. Amen. Holy Father, we praise your magnificent name. We humble ourselves before you. We bow our hearts in love for you. If there's someone here that doesn't know you, and you're touching their spirits, convicting them, I pray that they will make a decision for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're here today, 
as the worship team prepares to lead us in worship of God and prayer. And you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All you have to do is look to the Lord with a true humble heart and say to yourself, Lord, I believe in you. I accept you into my life. I repent of my sins and I turn away from that. And Lord, I'll gladly be buried in baptism with you as you've commanded and begin a new walk in this world filled with the Holy Spirit having the forgiveness of sin. Isn't that a beautiful picture? A simple picture of coming to the Lord and in faith being saved. Whoever confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that person shall be saved. Church, let us go from here with that humble but bold proclamation to our families and to our friends, our work associates, and let us take a step in humble boldness with the power of God's Word to convict the heart and share Jesus. May God bless each and every one of you on this Palm Sunday.